Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. A Buddha is someone who's awake within the matrix and co-creating with divinity as a soul having a human experience. Each enlightened episode is dedicated to help you level up the energy field of your Merkaba. You can manifest the parallel reality that fits the best version of you. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and does not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host, author Von Galt, and her guest. Welcome to another podcast episode of Merkaba Chakras. Today, we get the delight to talk to Reverend and medium Michael Shane. Now, my husband and I personally attended four of his apportation presentations, and I can honestly say that this is a legit sixth sense that very few people have. Now, Michael is a internationally known physical medium based in Seattle, Washington. He is best known for his message work, physical trance healings, and gemstone apportations. And Michael is a spiritual medium who works with the Ascended Masters to bring forward their messages since he was four years old. So this is a skill that he's had for a, quite a long time. And he is trained as a physical medium and demonstrated his ability to teleport or apport objects through his body from beyond the veil. So with that, Michael, welcome to Makaba Chakras. Thank you. It's, it's my honor to be here today. Oh, thank you for, for coming on the show and answering some of these questions. And, you know, I, I work with a lot of clients who are coming into the six senses. And um, I would say the apportation is one of those that very few have. However, um, I don't think that, I, I think that more and more as we get into this experience um, on earth, more and more people, especially that we're worldwide and connected through the internet, are going to be coming forward with unique six senses that many people aren't quite familiar with. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to bring you forward because I, um, when you tell somebody about one of your application um, presentations, it sounds kind of fantastic, but I've witnessed it four times and I brought a couple friends I brought my husband who's very skeptical um, and he came up to you at one of your applications and checked you out to make sure that if there was nothing on you or anything else like that and um, he couldn't find anything he looked up under around everything um, and you know he worked my husband works at Boeing he's very very analytical um, he he can spot the magician's uh, tricks uh, and, and we watch a lot of magic shows, but he couldn't find anything. And I brought different friends. They couldn't find anything either. So um, it, so I, I, I'm 
this is one of the six senses that I'm fascinated to learn more about. So before we get into your work, can you tell your story for how you got into this in the first place? And it seems like it started when you were four. So please. Well, it actually started before I was born. Um, my mother, who was 15 at the time, uh, moved from Colorado to Seattle to live with her, her aunt and her uncle. And her aunt, her uncle was a devout um, Catholic, so she had to go to a Catholic school. One of the nights that she was home, she heard her aunt talking um, about this person that was in Seattle uh, that spoke to spirits and they came through to communicate to people and would uh, bring through objects from the spirit world. And she'd sit there in the other room listening to the conversation. And she finally asked her aunt if she could go to one of these events to check this out. And again, against her um, uncle's uh, will, she went. And uh, while she was there, there was a, it was a seance where Master Jesus materialized and told her and, and the whole room that was there, probably around 100 people, that um, that she was going to give birth to a baby boy um, in 1963 and, and uh, that would have the similar, if not the same gifts as the medium that was there. And his name was Reverend Keith Milton Reinhardt. And in 1963, I, I was born and uh, I was kind of raised more by my grandparents uh, and the church. I would be taken to different place, different people, and brought to the church. I was born on a Tuesday, and I was in my first seance on the following Sunday. And what was very interesting is I'm sitting there in the seance room, in the dark, in a bassinet, being held by a lady. Her name was Carmen Fogles. Um, and I didn't make a sound. Not one sound all through the seance. But when the light went on, I started screaming and yelling. But at the age of four, um, Mr. Reinhardt would start to train me mostly in the basement of his house um, with, the, uh, uh, with my grandparents, mostly my grandmother, who was his right-hand man, event organizer, bookkeeper. Um, she took care of the church and stuff for him and she would be there and we would start having me uh, learn things verbally and then sitting in the cabinet um, certain things would occur um, I didn't apport though until I was seven and then nothing until 30 years later well actually 32 years later and I because I went from the age of seven until 27 in, an, in a, what I call my dark ages because I wasn't the, the, the prophecy that was said about me wasn't having anything to do with that 20 years. But, right, so you got a 20-year break to be a normal boy. Yeah, which was not in my best interest because, you know, I was, I was stuck in a world that I didn't understand and I had no identity anymore and I couldn't talk about what I, what I saw and what I did. And, and because, I mean, I took apports to school on show and tell in the first grade. Mm -hmm. 
and they almost locked me up in an institution. L luckily, what 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 uh, happened? What ha like what did you airport when you were? You said seven. Yeah, it was an eighty-eight carat sapphire, which uh -huh. which my mom has still to this day. Um, but that's not what I took because that's not um, the airport. I hadn't airported yet, and it was a bunch of airports from uh, Keith Reinhardt, and I took them uh, to school, and I told him how mm. they came out and came out of his forehead, his mouth, and and his eyes and stuff, and the teacher actually got up and grabbed my earlobe and pulled me to, this, to the oh. principal's office. And you could hear him in there. She was screaming and freaked you scared, out. You scared her. Like, you, yeah. You, yeah. yeah. And so um, I think it was my mother who came to the school and told them an explanation of what was going on in my life, um, which wasn't actually a true story, but I, did, but I sat there and got quiet. And basically, they decided, okay, but I wasn't supposed to take anything more and talk to any of the kids and stuff, who, by the way, were very excited about the story. The kids yeah. Did, but the, the teacher was just uh, not into it. She wasn't going for it. So I went to, at the age of, of 27 of, a, of a, um, a breakdown that I had, I had an opportunity to meet a gentleman that used to work with Keith Reinhardt. Um, Weston Bailey, and he offered me to come and stay uh, in California, and he would help me with my healing process and and teach me some things. I don't think in the beginning um, he was really thinking that, I, that he was going to be working with me, just only going through the healing process. But it, one thing uh, manifested, and other things happened, and um, the next thing I know, him and I are on the road doing stuff. We, we started our own temple and, um, uh, sadly he passed away a few years ago, but, um, uh, I opened up to the masters again, to apportation, communication, physical manifestation, materialization, um, direct voice, independent voice channeling readings i mean uh, billet readings which is going to be something that we'll talk about in a little bit um and the one thing that's mostly important i believe with this is this isn't something that can be trained to people um to a certain extent not everybody is going to want to do this and even potential students i attempt to talk them out of it at first because um, there is some downside to doing this work. What's the downside to doing the work? Well, um, physical mediums tend to live short lives. They end up with health problems. Um, the, 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 the physical manifestations, um, like the apportation, uh, causes issues with the body. Um, things like that and then on and then outside of the body you end up losing friends family uh you become basically alone and it's really hard why to... why do people why do people move away from people who abhort as a sixth sense well one reason is is i mean i have a friend who i won't say his name but um he was getting married to an individual and i 
uh, told him it wouldn't be a good idea, that, that she was basically after her, his citizenship. And it turned out to be that way. You know, three days after she got her letter to mail, she filed for divorce. Um, and he doesn't want nothing to do with it. And he doesn't really associate with me because I've said things and he's experienced things. He even let me do a, a seance in his house once. And he wasn't there, he was working, but he kind of wished he hadn't done it because the vortex had opened up and things just didn't uh, manifest the way he liked them in his house. What manifested in his house? He wouldn't ever say, so I don't really know. Um, well, that's not very helpful. And and then also, it's you know, I'm, I'm married and it's really hard for my wife to be with me especially around Christmas time when I already know what she's going to get me. <laughs> um, birthdays, you know, but there's, there's an emotional aspect to it because I'm on the road all the time, except for lately. And uh, it's just hard. And even uh, Christiana, she's come and stayed with us. The first time she was in a room that I used to use as a seance room. Mm. And you should ask her about her story things manifested there um, for her that she normally wouldn't have experienced. Mm -hmm. Luckily, she was into it and not scared of it. Um, right. Are, the, are they physical things that manifest or are they like presences that manifest? Both. 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 Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I, you know, that's, that's one, that's one of the things that I call, um, like when you come into a sixth sense that it's kind of like a spiritual growth spurt. And then, you have to learn to live with the, the new growth spurt. And um, it's kind of like sixth sense etiquette. Just kind of like, like what you said, maybe I shouldn't have told my friend that this, you know, this was not a good marriage. It was, he was going to find out anyways, but it was going to happen anyways. But maybe had you not said that, he would have learned his lesson and gone through the experience. And then you guys would still be friends and, you know, be able to be there for each other as compared to what ended up happening. So it's kind of a choice between that. And I, I've, I've noticed that with people who come into unusual six senses along their spiritual path, that there is a learning process, an adaptation process, and then the extended living with it. Because it's a cool thing, but not everybody is quite ready for certain six senses as compared to others. You know, and yeah, this one it, is an unusual one. I call it the blessed curse. Mm. And I even wrote a book about it, but um, I lost it on a hard drive on my laptop. And I'm not one because I have an OCD issue. I don't like to repeat myself. I don't like to backtrack and go where I've just been. It really bugs me for some reason. <laughs> So I haven't rewritten it, but I remember reading it and it was so depressing that um, I, I'm kind of glad I didn't try to publish it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, maybe it wasn't ready. Maybe you, when you're ready to write the book on apportation and how to apport and all that kind of stuff, when it comes through, it will be, instead of depressing, it will be inspiring for people who are interested in picking up that skill or people who come into that skill and want to learn how to, um, grow with it as from your experience now let me ask you this now you are a well known for this unusual sixth sense that parapsychologists they call apportation and apportation is basically the ability to i use the word teleport an object from an unknown location 
through your own body. And I have seen you abhort and um, or teleport large amounts of gems outside of the inside of your mouth. And I think, well, like, I actually, I've seen this four times and I actually sit really, really close and I'm like sitting there and I'm not looking at anything else. I'm just looking at what in front of you. And I think it looks like crystal clear energy of water that is forming. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it becomes more solid and so you can kind of see the energy vibration. It becomes more sh- solid. It looks like a shape. And then um, the image starts forming and then all of a sudden you, you see the image form. And so the, the way that I can liken this to it, that it's much like um, how the holodeck teleports people in Star Trek. Okay. Right. All right. That's my, that's my understanding of what I've seen. And um, w- in all your shows, I brought many people to go, Oh, you got to see this. This is, this is, it's a whole different level because I have been doing spirituality and consciousness um, studies and research my whole life. And so I, this is, I always get into the six senses and I love different unusual six senses. And, and now I work with clients on it, but you actually um, apported gems and I'm actually wearing the one of the gems that you apported. The stone. The stone, yeah. So, um, everybody, so if you look at this amethyst, it's a real amethyst, and I had it um, looked at uh, by a gem- gemologist. It's a real amethyst. Um, there's nothing fake about it. And the gemologist said it's, it's a real amethyst, um, but it's an unusual shape. It's very large commercially. They don't make amethyst this size. Um, and uh, so it was really hard to find a setting but they found one setting, obscure site, that had a setting for this size. And so I've had it ever since. But the thing that's interesting is I saw you airport many different sizes, like huge sizes, the size of, uh, of um, somebody's fist come out and you gave it to somebody else who was going through an illness, like that, yeah. Um, huge, huge sizes come through. Um, some would, would lodge in your mouth and they couldn't come out of your mouth because they were too big. So I'm a sucker. Is it going to choke in front of all of us? But anyways, it was very interesting to see all the different shapes and, and things that come through. And they're not always small. So, um, but for some people, like you apported the same gem for a friend of mine. And hers cracked and mine, I still have mine. So why is it that some of the people that you apport and you pick it up and you get, you point to a specific person in the crowd of your shows and say, this one is for you. Here's the message. This is from so-and-so um, and nobody else. But why do some people's apported gems or items break, whereas others don't break? Well, I've had um, this happen before, um, even to stuff that I have received personally. And here's the reason. First off, the process, when it comes through Everything is energy in motion. What you see when you look in the mirror isn't really what's there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's what they call the third dimension um, illusion. Okay. And so everything is energy. It's, it's moving. Okay. And, and even mainstream science can, can basically tell you that the wall isn't solid, that it is, it's in motion. Um, so when it comes out, it comes out in the energy form and then it um, 
goes into a, uh, a gassy form, which you won't see, and then a fluid form, which you will sometimes see, and then it will then, once it hits the light um, or the third dimensional energies, it begins to solidify, okay? If an object is touched too soon after coming through, uh, sometimes it will dissipate or it will be missing a pieces to it or it will be cracked in some way or chipped. Well, that's not the case with her because she took hers home whole, correct? Mm -hmm. So these objects are, are programmed specifically by the entity that gave it to them um, for a specific reason. And once that energy is utilized, they calculate how much of that energy is needed at any one time. If the individual needs something more than the object is being used, it sometimes will overload and, and crack. And sometimes even crack completely in half. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that would be issue number one, or it could have been that it was around somebody that was, that was very much in a very high state of negative energy. Um, uh, that could also be, or tragedy in the family that causes the emotional body to be overwhelmed. So those are reasons why it would happen. The third dimensional um, explanation would be she dropped it. <laughs> right. No. Right. So, yeah. So she, she took care of it and she didn't drop it. It just, one day she just went to her jewelry box and it just cracked and she's like, what happened? And I said, I still have mine. <laughs> so, um, but you know, that's a really good explanation for how it is that, you abhort items now um is there a frequency that your body emits when you abhort objects between dimensions yes um let's see i believe it was it was a gentleman by the name of um edward wilson he was a scientist that passed away in the mid 90s of of um uh, that blood cancer disease, mm -hmm. uh, leukemia, uh, leukemia. Mm -hmm. and he was testing me at the Heart Math Institute. Right, right. And he studied that, and there's there is an energy change uh, in my body and around me when this is occurring. Um, I wanted to be chosen to be part of the Copper Wall Project that Elmer Green. Um, uh, who's a well-known scientist was was doing, but I never did get that opportunity. Um, there's an organization called the International Study of Subtle Energy and Energy Medicine. They're mm -hmm. in Colorado, mm -hmm. and uh, they they they're interested in stuff like this, putting the mainstream and the not so mainstream together to see if they could bridge the gap between the two. Right. So, did did he ever um this this researcher that was studying when you were apporting object, objects did he find a frequency or he he yeah, never I, uncovered I don't know it what the frequency was but um it's 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 it has to do with 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 hertz yeah it does it does okay. now recently um I should say the most recent uh, a, a scientist and professor by the name of Eckhart Kruis, who lives in Heidelberg, Germany, mm -hmm. has been studying physical mediumship. 
he's been studying my he studied myself um and which i had to take a break from for a while but i'm planning on him doing it again mm-hmm. he's studying uh, other two, other mediums he's he's studied in the past and he was actually testing the hertz of the voices that were coming through right and what do you find well he found that all the voices were actually coming from a separate voice signature or voice box and like if you go to my website, you, uh, michaelshane.com, mm-hmm. you'll see the graph uh, of, of that testing or find Eckhart Kruis on, um, on, uh, you know, on, on the internet. And he has that posted on his website. But he even wrote me an email saying, if it is me, because Lady Nada, who I call Bobby, mm-hmm. she had a voice signature that was so high it almost went off the the gauge and he wrote me a um an email which i saved that says if this is really you figuring out a way to do this you need to quit what you're doing and become a a professional um opera star (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so you know like in buddhism everybody has a unique energy signature then unique frequency um they you can actually image your 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 vocal DNA to see what your mandala looks like, but it all translates to be unique to you. But, you know, much like the concept of longitude and latitude in geology, um, do you know what the frequencies are for different geographical locations? Can we, can you use this to figure out what the different frequencies are for different locations? I would have to do this again because I don't really understand the technical stuff. Okay. Um, I know that that people can produce up to 200 um, watts of electricity, and Elmer Green, I think, uh, found an individual that had over 2,000 watts of electricity. Well, I need to um, interview that guy. <laughs> that a, I believe it was a um, a shaman or something. Um, and, but yeah, when when the vortex opens, it's almost like an, a, a zero. Mm-hmm. hurts because it's it's an emptiness at first but then right. it, then it changes you see and then the heat in the room gets colder too um why is that why does it get colder when they well uh, they say it... spirit world is cold <laughs> okay okay you know, hell is hot heaven's cold you know whatever um but uh, uh the, I mean, you're, you're basically opening up the door between two dimensions mm-hmm. that don't really uh, are compatible with each other. Right, right. Which, by the, way, by the way, causes the health issues that mediums go through. And right. we tend to put on lots of weight. No, yeah, I, I, I understand that. And I understand that, like, I mean, they've taken pictures um, when people are doing... Actually, there's a book by Paul Dong, uh, which is um, China's super. Actually, have it. China's super psychics. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, it is. He's a Qigong and Sixth Sense um, consultant, um, and his name is is China's super psychics, Paul Dong. Anyways, um, this little girl at the time. Okay, she does apportations and 
she did apportation and they took pictures of her when she was apporting. And when she's apporting, they had this picture where I'm trying to find the image where um, here it is. She did a, a presentation. So here's the, here's the picture of the little girl and she was apporting an object and, the, and a vortex of light shone in, above her. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I get what you're saying that a vortex opens up above um, mediums who abhort objects uh, because it, it has already been shown that that is what's happening. And when I do um, like hypnosis, talk to other hypnosis people and they talk to um, deceased loved ones or people in, in different dimensions, um, they, they'll say, it's really easy to find you guys because you guys have a vortex circling above you in a sea of people. So, right. you know, in the spirit world, they can see us very easily. We're just basically advertising it with these vortexes doing whatever it, it's doing. So, um, so I wonder, like, when you are apporting and you're tuning into that frequency, you're creating that vortex vacuum above you in your Merkaba or in your halo or energy field. And then it's come something, something's coming through mm -hmm. at the, the intersection point. So, you know, I don't know if you, if you know, if we can um, use this to pinpoint whatever frequencies in moments in time. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, and, there's time doesn't exist in this in the other side, but it exists in our side because we measure it. I wonder if you can get the frequency in moments in time, if you can measure the frequency in different parallel realities or the frequency in different dimensions. I mean, does is there any of that that comes through that, that you know about? Yeah, I mean, this is something that's been going on since 1950, you know, um, um, governments here in the United States, uh, Russia, Japan, um, China, you know, they've been studying all of this and it, it is it, it, being able to study the, the signature is very quick because mm. once the, the, it opens, it almost closes right away. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, the portal closes quickly. Though, the picture mm. that's above that lit girl is actually a spirit. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. I don't know, but I'm, I'm assuming because sometimes the spirit will, that's bringing the objects through will be there to help protect the person or the child in this mm -hmm. case. Um, but it is possible that it could also be the vortex too, but there would have to be some special film and cameras for that. Um, but you have to be quick that I remember um, Mr. Wilson saying, you have to be quick to get it. And Eckhart, Mr. Cruz, he's, he's studying this as well. Um, but it's very, it's, it's very interesting because even people, just regular people that live right. nine to five and stuff, they, they sense this stuff, they feel it. Sometimes they'll even see it, you know, but they pass it off as, you know, a flash of light or whatever. Right. Um, and there's just too much that happens in our lives to say that this is all there is, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and time also is a factor and it doesn't really exist the way we see it. 
time has nothing to do with the clock on the wall. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See? And uh, according to, to Katumi, he did a seance with me um, a few months ago where he talked about what, you know, the cause and all that of the, of the, of the COVID-19 thing. Right, right. And, and one of the things that he said was time is moving faster than it ever has. So it is. It's it's true because I was just reading an article in um in different science magazines that Earth is actually losing some seconds, yes. or milliseconds or whatever. But anyways, we don't have the normal time scale that we have been using to measure time. So actually, the day is getting faster. Yes. Earth is Earth is at a higher higher. I don't know if it's a higher frequency. If we're at a higher frequency, and that's why we're losing time. But um, they've actually, in science, measured that we are losing time. We're moving yeah. faster in this reality. Everybody well, can look it up on Google. It's out there. Yeah, it's there. And it's also partly because Earth has moved from its normal orbit, which is why we're experiencing meteors and asteroids that are coming closer to the Earth, because we're now moved into their pathway, mm. you see. And... Uh, we're, we're experiencing, I think it was tonight, actually, we're supposed to be able to see uh, three planets in, in a line with each other and closest to the Earth than, than, they, than they have since 800 years. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's significant. Now, Kutumi mentioned that we are experiencing things 100 times or 100 years earlier the normal. So this pandemic thing wasn't supposed to happen for another hundred years. And why is that? Why is that? Well, because time is moving faster. So it's basically being sucked into our, into our um, signature here on earth in our moment in time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, there's all kinds of, of, of theories and, and um, conspiracies and stuff with this pandemic and, was it on purpose? Was it, was it not on purpose? I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. It's mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. you see. And it's, it, what matters is what it's, what's being done with it. Mm-hmm. And those of in power and in control are not doing, and this, I mean, I don't want to say this is my opinion, but this is what I heard from the, from the spirit world was they're not doing what they should be doing with it. They're using mm-hmm. it more as a, uh, a a power control thing than anything else. Well, um, you know, I mean, that actually gets to a question really quickly because because you, you, you say in one of your interviews that COVID-19 is changing humanity for the better on more positively. How is that? What is it could do? Because we will, we will come together again. Like, like, I don't want to have anyone think that I think that war is a positive because it isn't. Mm-hmm. But the United States was, was in a depression. And that trauma and tragedy took us out of that depression. Mm-hmm. You know, it always seems to take trauma and tragedy for Americans to dig themselves out of their hole, you know. And yeah. so now we're going to take what technology, what action what emotion and prepare ourselves mentally emotionally and spiritually to deal with what's coming next mm-hmm. and, and what does the um ascended masters say is coming next because it's it's more of a of a loss i mean 
he was talking to us based on the United States mm-hmm. and the Constitution and stuff. Well, what about the rest of the world? Because the United States is one country and there's a whole, a whole globe. It so- is. And, and it, it appears what affects one affects the other. You see? Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to come together to be more of a, of a, a worldwide connection of love and healing mm-hmm. and peace. But we have to go through the up and coming war that's about, that's going to happen. I don't know if it'll be, you know, there is no time frame, um, but it's, it'll be mostly in your lifetime. Mm. Uh, but mine, I don't know. Um, but these things that are, that are now in place are strengthening the people of the world. Well, that brings me to another question because no one saw a COVID-19 pandemic in the horizon. So the future is not fixed. No, it, it, it is based on the timeline that we were supposed to stay connected to. Um, free will has already been utilized prior to your birth. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, so when we come to crossroads or experiences in our lives, the outcome is already there because we've already chosen which path we're going to take. So that's the, the, the use of free will. Sometimes free will is used in the moment, but what is a moment? Okay. There's no way to really describe unless you have a couple of weeks for me to, to go into this. And I would probably have to go in the trance and let the masters speak through me. But um, basically the bottom line is we are about to experience something that we would perceive to be bad that will open up the door to something good. Right. Well, that, that's typically what, what happens to a lot of um, conflict in human history. Knowing conflict is around the corner, it's always a little scary. But when you go through the conflict and when you go through the turbulence, um, we're actually much more resilient than we give ourselves credit. And yes. at the very end of it, on the other side of it, uh, you know, hopefully we learn and we grow and we build better um, from the, the, the rumble. And that's been, that's been the case for human history. Well, so that, that we have to focus on and um, master Jesus was very clear on this point. You know, we, we have these, these movements going on today, you know, and one says this, only this matters or another person says, well, this has got to matter before that can matter. Um, the, the truth is we all have to come together as a singular entity to realize that culture, color, um, you know, belief systems and stuff are in a, in a lot of ways the, the same. Mm-hmm. The differences is what makes this world beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, can you imagine everybody wandering around blue-eyed and blonde hair? I mean, that'd be kind of a bummer. You know? <laughs> the only person with brown, with brown eyes and brown hair would be very popular yeah. <laughs> in that world. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. Because people are intelligent. It's exercising that intelligent is intelligence or their spiritual or their belief is what's important. You know, bring people out of their hole and out of their domain even though we're being told to stay indoors. Right. And 
and it, it's it's kind of funny because it's this lockdown that's actually woken up everybody to do everything else that's going on. Yeah, yeah. If we hadn't done that, we probably would still be living our regular lives, whatever that may or may not be. So like I said, trauma and tragedy opens up strength and and brotherhood and sisterhood together. And we will, we will come out of this in a positive way and we will be stronger and we won't give so much control and so much power to the governments that are there because they're abusing it. And it's, it's, it's just the way it is. I mean, I, I used to laugh when people were saying, I don't like Clinton anymore because he lied under oath. Well, hell, he's a, he's a politician. They're going to lie. You know that just off the cuff, you know, but, you know, typically, typically what I found the last, the last, um, you know, as we go through this, this, uh, this process of getting into higher levels of existence, the last uh, sectors to cross over is going to be politics and religion. So um, aside from those, focus on your life, focus on your experience, focus on building what you um, want out of it. And if everybody did that and they focus on that, you know, it's about building this bigger, bigger, better picture. We're building a new reality. So, um, and then those other, those other segues will have no choice but to follow where the focus is of the people so that's typically what what i that's typically what i found but you know um getting back to apportation real quick so you know the late author wayne dyer published a video testimony about the legitimacy of your sixth sense after witnessing himself can you explain how you teleported or apported a coin from his deceased mother's uh, personal collection into that session? Um, yes. Uh, we were having a, an event and uh, this coin uh, was apported through basically the spirit or the consciousness of, of, of his mom um, asked the ascended energies to bring this object to, to him. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably would wonder, okay, well, how did she have that in the spirit world? We have to focus on things or energy. Okay. That's mm-hmm. number one. Number two, energy can pass through time and space mm-hmm. and cross through the veil as we prove with the apportation process. And, and that's basically apportation is not teleporting. It's, it's transferring an object from, from, from through space and time interdimensionally mm-hmm. teleportation is transporting something on a physical level from one point to another mm-hmm. um, uh, it's it's um, you know Willy Wonka the first movie where the the kid was transported from being a, a regular sized kid uh, Wonka vision remember mm-hmm. yeah 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 that, the movie. teleportation or or the 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 fly movie where they had these pods where right yeah so but this is where you're actually going underneath that timeline in in interdimensionally because we are multifaceted interdimensional beings experiencing more than one lifetime uh interdimensionally mm-hmm. at the same time because past present and future in the master's teachings are existent at the same moment in time 
Right, so, right. So his the consciousness and spirit of his mother had this object. I don't know if it had been put in her casket when she was when she passed, um, or if it was an energy that was left to hers that she um, took the energy of and it, uh, with the help of, of, of maybe her master teacher or something. But it was important for Mr. Dyer to um, have this so he could really believe that there was life after death. And the reason of that was because they knew he was um, going to pass. Now, when he was alive, I told him that he would that he would have an opportunity because of his work that he did for mankind, for the earth, for all of us, which was beautiful, you mm -hmm. know. People always try to focus on the negative of somebody, but it's all experiences, you know, the past. We, we shouldn't even focus on tomorrow. We should, we, we're supposed to focus on our moment that we're in. Mm -hmm. And so he, um, I told him that he was going to have an opportunity to work with the Ascended Masters in Shambhala. Mm -hmm. And what, what we didn't know at the time was he was being told basically that he was, his time on earth was, was, you know, not very much longer. Mm -hmm. And he had just, you know, been healed of leukemia um, by John of God. And I have the, the beads mm -hmm. that was given um, to John of God, not the ones that were given to, um, uh, to, to Wayne Dyer, but, the same kind that he would have received from him. Right. And so he, he passed away um, unexpectedly. But from what I hear, he is actually and has actually chosen to not go into the spirit realm. He's actually in the, the what they call the, the astral ethereal realm, which is where Shambhala is in, in the mm -hmm. Himalayan mountains. Mm -hmm. Um. And he's working with them to master. Mm, okay. Well, you know, um, before we get into the, con the topic of Shambhala um, and the Ascended Masters, what do you say to people who say that what you do is witchcraft or demon summoning? All those. Well, all I can do is give an explanation. I, I really honestly can't um, defend myself because people are going to believe what they want to believe. All I can say is I have been tested in as many ways as possible by mainstream and not so mainstream scientists. I've passed every test that the normal person would come across. Like one time uh, a lady wanted to remove the coloring. She wanted to add coloring to the water that was around me. So, so the water I spit out was, was the same clear, you know, when I passed that test, uh, there was people that wanted to bury me in the ground and, and put cement over top of me. I mean, there was a lot of insanity there, but I didn't do that one. And that was primarily because the people that were in my life at the time told me not to do it because it was too dangerous. But I've done everything else. So the, so the way, the best way to answer this question, first off, I've never seen a demon. I've never seen anything ever that could be classified as a devil or a Satan. There is, however, a Lucifer, 
the people read their um, uh, their Bible, it's told that Lucifer was an angel, an archangel who tried to, to um, defeat God or all that, you know. Um, you know, maybe that story is not necessarily 100% true, but from what I'm told by the Ascended Masters, Lucifer means the um, angel of light, um, and it was supposedly a, a twin creation of, of Archangel Michael. And I can go into the whole history there from what I learned, but I won't at this point. Um, but I'll stay focused on the question. I've been tested in every possible way. I've been x-rayed. I've been probed. Recently in um, Australia, I was strip searched. Um, and I've been, I have been, in, in England, they require you to be strip searched. And so I'm strip searched there and no one's ever found anything on me, not even when they were x-raying my stomach because some people say I regurgitate it. Um, I would go to a gastrologist and say, hey, how would this person be able to get, get um, get <laughs> To bring this, good, yeah, bring up from my um, body. Now, there's a guy by the name of um, Star who was on British Got Talent who was regurgitating uh, coins and a, 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 a billiard ball. Mm -hmm. um, now, the billiard ball would not have been able to come up, including this 13 or 1,300-carat blue sapphire I apported in Basel, Switzerland, mm -hmm. you're not going to swallow it and you're not going to bring it up. They can ask their doctor and the doctor is going to explain to them that basically it's a trick that the regurgitator doesn't actually swallow the objects because your digestive system is constantly moving, you see. And so if you swallow something in a waiting room, um, by the time the person's out on the stage, it's already down in the intestines. So uh, how are you going to bring it up? But, you know, explaining and defending yourself is all basically I'm doing right now. Um, they're just going to have to either believe or not believe. Right, right. Um, yeah, you know, the thing is, is that some people really, they just cannot let go of the concept of hell and demons and satan they just they do not they refuse to accept that there is a there is a reality where that doesn't exist and that um everybody goes to the spirit world and so they just they just have a really hard time letting go of those conditioned belief systems and so i asked that question because um when somebody comes into this unusual sixth sense of apporting or, um, you know, channeling the Sunday masters or any other kind of sixth sense, if they don't recognize it, they're not familiar with it, they don't understand the concept of how it works in terms of metaphysics and consciousness, then they immediately run to the easiest thing of thinking, oh, it just must be demon summoning or, you know, devil work or hell work or whatever. So, um, and that's fine if you want to, as you get further into your spiritual development and you get further into your six senses and that scares you, then fine. You, you know, so these people will retreat back to what they're used to. Um, and so, you know, 
one of the things that will challenge people is the six senses. And that's why I asked that question. Um, well, me... I do have a little bit more I want to say on that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do these people believe that the, the, the devil or, or hell is all creates negativity? Is that correct? Yes. Yes. The, the okay. common beliefs. Yeah. It's, have... it's mostly based off of religious. Right. Uh, yeah. I have testimonials recently from two individuals, one's written and one was verbal, of the objects they received created physical health healing to their bodies. Mm -hmm. would, the, would, would Satan do that? Especially without um, some sort of, you know, uh, here's a contract, sign it in blood type of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You see, it, it's it's the the heaven and hell that really exists is what we create for ourselves in the life that we have presently. Yes. When they die, when they ascend into the spirit realm, there is a major wake up call, which is why um, they ha there is a rest period that some mm -hmm. of these spirits go through when they're when they go to the other side. And you know, I would I would love to say, well, the devil made me do it, but in, in fact, you're actually the one that's doing it, whatever it yep. may be. Yeah. The so, alibi doesn't work in the spirit world. No. <laughs> and you're not going to, incarnation, I know Buddhism doesn't necessarily believe that you incarnate into another body, but. Oh, no, you do. You do. You, you, do? You, you, you reincarnate into different um, experiences, depending on whatever your, your, your interest in doing are born are reborn into a into a cow um, uh well i'm not sure about that it just really depends on what the soul's um purpose is and what right. they intended so there's a lot of um, incarnations in um in samsara in creation and you can experience anything you want you could be a rock if you wanted to um we were actually we, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the process is mineral vegetable animal and then human Right, right. So, um, so let's let's get into the the, the conversation about the ascended masters. Now, you know these six senses are 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 great, and people are going to come into their six senses, and maybe apportation is one of the six senses that they come into. But your main ability that you have is a direct connection to intuitively get messages from a variety of ascended masters who live in um, Shambhala, which in Buddhism is a mythical um, place. Correct. where where higher beings exist so who are these ascended masters and what is shambhala for those people who are unfamiliar with these concepts well for the sake of time i'll give you the quick the quick version okay uh sonic kamara is the is the entity that started the whole thing um some of of these master teachers never had experiences on earth they come mm -hmm. from another origin and some of them come from Earth, like Wayne Dyer, for instance, who studied with the uh, the ancients and became ascended masters. Mm -hmm. uh, you would have Maitreya, Buddha, um, Babaji, uh, Sananda, who incarnated also ag again as uh, as Jesus, who's mm -hmm. Yeshua. Mm -hmm. Yeshua ben Yosef is his real name. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm actually writing a book about his life even the missing years that I've been yeah. 
done for over 10 years and I can't ever seem to get motivated. To it'll, it'll get done. And it's Yosef Ben Yosef. Yeah. Uh, Yeshua Ben Yosef. Yeah. But yeah, but it, it, he got his name Yeshua later on, but it was uh, Yosef Ben Yosef. Of Joseph, but anyway, technicality doesn't matter. Um, he's he's had lots of names throughout his life, but yes, you're definitely correct. So those are the Senate masters, and um, what is it about Shambhala? Well, Shambhala is a physical, ethereal structure. Mm-hmm. Um, the steps to it is always there. Every few years, they have a, a pilgrimage, where some people even crawl on their hands and knees hundreds of miles to to get to it to show their worthiness to come in but the master do that well i don't know why they would do that because the masters are not looking for anybody to torture themselves to 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 be accepted into shambhala it is a is a is an energy signature it's a vibration that you emit right yes so if you if you are high enough consciousness it will just basically let you the idea the doors will be open and they will let you let you in. And if you're not of that frequency, you won't even see it. It's, right. it's all a matter of frequency. Correct. And there's okay. 144,000 uh, original ascended masters who uh, came that live in Shambhala. And all of them, they have different belief systems, different ways of doing things. But they would all tell you the the ultimate outcome of all their different teachings is love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And love is defined at greater uh, definition and meaning than the Webster Dictionary, which mm-hmm. really has nothing to do with the, the eternal love flame. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very beautiful structure. I have been there astrally. Um, I have been invited physically. But there's no way this 317-pound guy is going to get up to the top of the Himalayan mountains. Um, well, I mean, if you, go, if you go there physically, so um, I think it was a 1920s or 1930s uh, movie about Shambhala. Based but, on the book, The Life and Teachings of the Masters of the Far East. That's right. So um, if you go there physically, like how would you go there physically? Like is there like a pathway? Well, you would go – you. Every, everyone that's in that particular area, and I, I believe they're called shirkas, chirpers mm-hmm. or something, mm-hmm. and, and the uh, monks of the temples there that are in those uh, towns like Nepal mm-hmm. know where it is. And what they know is where the steps are. And you crawl up, you, you, you walk up the steps, and there'll be a, a, a large gate or fence um, made out of, out of uh, wood, mm-hmm. which, which is interesting because there's no trees anywhere near there to make, to make that, but it's there kind of like mm-hmm. the, the, the Great Pyramids. There's stone that, that isn't in that area or the stone that was in Easter Island for those statues wasn't you know, indigenous to the area where they were put up. Right. So anyway, you would knock on the door basically, and they either let you in or not. Now, if it's now, does anybody see the door? Does anybody see the door, or do you have to be a certain frequency to see the door? It it would have to be here in regards to the um, the transportation. You know, like if it's if it's deported to a different dimension or a different place, um, then all you would see is the is the is the um, 
The steps. The steps. Okay. Right. And then you would see what we perceive to be the background of the mountains and stuff, unless right. it's there. Uh, people that have that are alive today still have seen it physically. Um, I don't think I'll ever get that chance for a number of reasons, but I have been there astrally, and it really looks a lot like you would think, um, like a Greek, uh, uh, ancient Greek archaeology ar um, architecture, mm -hmm. and it's it's very nice. I believe in the Greek religion when they talk about Mount Olympus, mm -hmm. that what that is is Shambhala, mm -hmm. and the or the gods that they refer to are basically ascended masters and angels, mm -hmm. you know, which explains the fiery chariots and uh, wings and all that kind of stuff. Right. So I, I can just tell, I can just tell there's going to be somebody from Nepal going, oh, I just watched this episode and now I'm going to go up there. I'm going to see the steps. <laughs> for for the, the, those people out there who want to go to try to find Shambhala, um, look for the steps. If you see the steps, if you don't see anything else, you're not a frequency. If you see the doors, then you are the high enough frequency to be able to see that dimension. And hopefully okay. you're a high enough frequency that they will open the door. Um, you can do things that are bad and you can do things that are good. That doesn't really determine the frequency because bad things is part of karma. It's an experience that, that we chose prior to coming into their, our lifetime right. to experience as bad as that may sound. Um, and it's not measured, uh, in a negative way it's mm -hmm. it's the outcome how you relate to it how you manifest the vibration and energy now obviously there are some people that were in alive in history that done things that goes way beyond choosing to do something mm -hmm. like that, mm -hmm. you know and right. there's always exceptions to every rule and every experience so i'm not saying you know people like well i don't even want to mention the person's names but um there are some that's just uh, a travesty and a tragedy that's happened that has nothing to do with karma, mm -hmm. but a lot of it that has happened does, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, so anyway, um, next question. Yeah. So that Shambhala is very fascinating. I, I, I'm very fascinated about that. Okay. So since I do, you have I, do have, I do have an object here. Okay. Came directly from Shambhala itself. Okay. It wasn't created or found on earth. Okay. okay. And it was um, hand cut, just like your gemstone. Mm -hmm. It's a very rare kind of cut. And it's a, it's a beautiful. very beautiful stone. And it belongs to Christiana. And when she uh, holds it, and she can correct me if I'm wrong here, but she feels some amazing energies that come from it. Is that mm -hmm. true? Yeah. She's afraid that if you hear her voice, she's interfering. <laughs> no, no, no. She's, you're doing fine. I love, I love that, Jim. It's really beautiful. Um, she, um, she also got this ruby from Jesus. This is another ruby from Jesus that she got. Um, I believe this is a sapphire that she got from 
probably Betraya. Why gems? Why is it always? Why is it typically gems? Why well, not something else? Because it it holds um, programming easier. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. You you can put a lot of information into crystals. Yes, and that's true. I've been apporting not just gemstones. I mean, uh, um, gold and silver coins. Um, mm. Uh, jewelry, um, watches, statues, goblets. One time I apported a bunch of long stem red roses and another time right. um, some white long stem roses that were given to everybody in the room. Uh, and not all of it comes out of my body. Sometimes the trumpet, the seance trumpet will apport stuff through it and one time um, in just come in front of you, like just come out in front of you, yeah, or levitate out into the room over the people that are sitting. And 300 solid uh, well, they weren't solid gold, they were those gold coins of chocolate, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, would fall on people's laps and stuff. And then, um, in, in Basel, there's a gentleman who, who runs a temple called um, the PSI uh, temple there in. Right. in Basel, and his name is Lucius Weismuller, wonderful, beautiful gentleman, and he um, was sitting in the middle of the room, a cloud of energy uh, appeared above, the, above him, and hundreds of gemstones fell on top of him, mm. Mm. and it's, it's really hard to wrap it around your mind, but it's also, in, in that particular scenario, really hard to fake right right you know, you know i i really hope that somebody somewhere is picking up this information and will take some of these gems and figure out some kind of way to get the information out of the gems because the, the gems ha hold a lot of, they're storing a lot of information it'll be interesting to see what kind of information comes through scientifically from the gems and at the same time whenever you talk about apporting and how things manifest. I just keep thinking of like the food processing uh, machines in Star Trek, where they're, <laughs> you know, where they replicate the replicate, the food replicators, where all of a sudden you see the light and then it just, and then you see it, it looks kind of crystal like, and then all of a sudden you see the, the food. So maybe there's some kind of technology that we can get from um, the concepts of apporting that is much the same. And even the same thing in the earlier lines of questions where I was, I was saying that about, about frequencies and locations and frequencies of people, that maybe there's some kind of technology or information that we can get from studying abhorting um, and those different dimensions in abhorting that we can use in um, creating some kind of teleporter machine, you know, machine. So, cause I, 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 I see a lot of similarities in the concepts. We just don't quite fully understand how to take those concepts and create them into um, tools to better our lives. I, I don't want to say which organization because I got the message, the, the information from Saint Germain. Yeah. But um, but that organization is here in Seattle area, and I don't want to mention their name. But there is a there is an organization that's that's already in the process. Mm -hmm of creating a, a, a telepod um, and also replicators um, mm -hmm. because one of its um, creators 
was a Trekkie. Well, that person, if you're watching it, you have to come hit me up. I'll do a well, well, no session, whatever, and then you could talk to all of the engineers on the other side to get their answers to whatever you're working on because you can pretty much get answers from the other side on anything that you're working on. Well, you remember um, what happened to Lazar, right? Uh, no. Can you explain that, that one? The guy that um, told everybody that he was a scientist at Area 51 and his face and voice was, was blacked out and, and changed. And they figured out who it was. And that now when you go look at his history, his past, his schools he's went, went in, and even his birth certificate, it's all gone. And he had to go underground in hiding. And I don't know if he's still around, but I, I'm, I just gotta be careful with some of the things that I say, because when I was five years old, I had a dream that these two no neck guys with white coats came in to my bedroom and hauled me away and I was never seen again. So, oh, they put you into a sane asylum. Yeah, I, it wasn't that. It was some place where I was studied. And and so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little paranoid about that. Oh, no. Um, well, um, but anyway, you're not the only person importing stuff. I watch a lot of uh, people send me a lot of videos from YouTube of people importing like pearl gems or different things. Um, so there are people who are importing all over the world, but they are not as visible as you are. So thank you for showing well, yourself when i do my work um this ruby ring from jesus is used for uh protection mm -hmm. um i have this ring from buddha it's an emerald mm -hmm. yeah um, he likes green that helps me with creating an enlightened higher level of energy to produce the phenomena mm -hmm. um, this is a um an onyx stone a ring from Master Babaji to help me from dark energies. Uh, there are dark energies, just not demons that I that I know of. All right, there has to be a contrast. Right. Yeah. This is um, a, uh, a London blue topaz that um, ring that was given to me by Master El Moria for emotional healing and strength. Mm. And then I have another one from Buddha. Um, for enlightenment and a connection to the ethereal realm. Um, well, I have a question about um, that maybe some of these uh, master teachers that you're in contact with can answer. So um, a lot of people who watch the podcast, listen to podcasts are interested in the level of consciousness and knowledge. So all the gems and the, the physical stuff that's being apported as wonderful as they are and the messages that come through, this the knowledge that that is what is being yearned for. So, you know, and a lot of the people are having what they call their own personal reality shifts or Mandela effects, what some uh -huh. people call it. Why do some people experience shifts from one version of reality to another parallel version of reality and others in the spiritual community do not? Does the Senate Masters have anything to say about that? Yeah, it's very simple. In time and on time and when they're ready. Mm. Mm. Can you expand on that? So for the people who are not ready, they're not going to have any kind of reality shifts because they're not ready for that. But for the people who are having reality shifts, what do they say for those people? To study more. Um, find someone that teaches it. Uh, and 
like I, I hold classes. I actually would like to meet some of these people because I tend to run into people that are interested, but then once they get into it, it's too overwhelming to them and they, and they walk away. Um, oh, you're talking to one of them right now. So this whole podcast and the YouTube channel and everything is all about personal reality shifts. And I also teach the phenomena and the mediumship part as well. Um, which I'll be doing in in Erie, Pennsylvania in mm. July of this year, um, uh, following all protocols uh, that are suggested. Anyhow, right. Um, right. So I'm in the process of training some people now online, which is a new, a new uh, concept for me. Um, and so people can do it that way. Uh, you know, if they're interested in, in anything like that, some teachings or trainings or, you know, just, I would, can I give a contact information? Yeah. So put all, um, Christiana will, um, will send me all the information. I'll put it in the description okay. so that anybody in the future who comes into the podcast, who wants to learn uh, or take your online courses, even if you pre-record your online courses, um, cause you probably won't be teaching every single one of them for the next 10, 15 years. But even if you pre-record them as a series that people can buy the course and then just go through the coursework yes. um, and the exercises that you create for that, just send me all the information and I will put it in the description so that people who are interested in learning app porting, um, can take that course. People who are interested in learning how to connect intuitively with the ascended masters can take that course and whatever other course that you want to provide as well, because that is your legacy. Um, you know, is the courses that you leave behind so people can pick the knowledge up and apply it. And that's really what, um, what, what is the most valuable because all the other stuff will just fade away, but it's the knowledge that is the most important. And the I teaching am of the knowledge. That. It's, it's just, I'm probably a, uh, I can't think of the word right now. Um, Overwhelmed? <laughs> no, no, it's not that. It's just I, I don't know how to do a lot of it um, other than just talking to a microphone um, and how to set it all up and stuff. But I'm working on that. But motivation too, you know, um, it's like I, I feel like if I do it this way, then I'm giving up on life you see the best way to do things is face to face and presently they're making that really hard for us to do so i guess i have to fall in lines with this online stuff but they've well, been me, the masters have been telling me for about 10 years that i need to start recording and creating an archive mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, i've tried doing that and then it falls away and then we start it again and then it falls away and then I lose stuff. I mean, it's just a, it's a monotonous journey, but I'll Focus. get it. I'll you'll get, get it. it. You'll get it. They'll, they'll, they will work with you and you'll get it. That's one of the things that I found in this space. Um, and I, and I, I think you're my 25th podcast interviewee and everybody has a different modality that they teach or that they are trying to bring forward uh -huh. and um and focus is one of the things that um all of them have to work on doing on on a continual basis because it's easy to get pulled away from what you came here to do by getting caught up in all the distractions of life and getting right. caught up with all of the bad news bears and all the things that's going on um you know not everybody's having your specific uh 
skill set and knowledge to bring forward. So it is a balance um, for that. But you know, you'll you'll, you'll get there. Um, a couple more questions before we conclude. Now, now all the dimensions they exist within our consciousness, within our consciousness. Yes. And so heart consciousness. How was that? A heart consciousness. Yeah. Okay, right. So much like lucid dreams or astral travel that seems so real for some people, and they've done studies on astral travel and um, found some nuances in reality that match up to what was experienced in those astral travels or even those lucid dreams. Um, is reality a lucid dream that we unknowingly focus our consciousness on? That would be a good explanation because everything is around us is, a, is an illusion and and it's it's in motion and there's more than one let's say room or one more than one dimension and right. and that heart consciousness or the soul is in charge of and connected to all of them and so when you have a dream um, it seems familiar to you in some of them but it's nothing that, that's in your conscious memory right and, and, it, and that's because you're experiencing it somewhere. Now, I wish I could remember the, the author of this, but there was a gentleman that wrote a book about a, a doctor who would be driving down the road and all of a sudden would just have this unreal vision and feeling that they were a, um, a rodeo rider. Yeah. And then yeah. came along that was able to explain that what, what that was, was in an alternate dimension, they were a rodeo rider. Right. And like, or, or maybe in a different lifetime, whether it's in the past or in the present dimension or in the, in the past life, all that exists at the same time. So yeah. it's all parallel, whether it's in the forward or past or, you know, in a parallel existence of this exact time frame. It's all parallel. Yeah, it's you all existing at, at the same time. True, and you can look at it as the Willy Wonka elevator that mm -hmm. goes in every which way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it it really depends on what you focus on. Because I I know when I do hypnosis of clients, and I I speak to a lot of different hypnosis practitioners of different modalities, and they all find the same exact thing that when the client is in um, hypnosis, it's like a real lucid dream, and they think and they are feeling it, they're experiencing it, and they can't tell that they're actually it's it's happening in their in their mind or in the level of their consciousness because i think it's so real so you have to kind of be like okay you remember you're still in a room here <laughs> you know and so it's like this reality is so vivid and fluid to us because we're focusing on it with our consciousness and so that's why i asked is this a real lucid dream because it um it, I believe it's the maya the lucid dream yes yeah it's, it's it dreams are not uh, imagination. And if you remember Einstein quoted, and I think I'm not, I think I'm paraphrasing it, but he said something to the effect that sometimes the imagination is more important than the mind. Yes. So he was alluding to a lot of different concepts there. And I think he, he tapped into that. Meditation helps you tap into it. Um, astral projection sometimes if you know how to do that properly, we'll connect you into it. And when your body is at the at an alpha um, sleep, um, then you will go into those experiences. When I was in the East Coast um, in Pennsylvania, 
I had a, a, a very serious emotional um, breakdown. And this was the mm. first time I went there. And it was because my most recent past life was a 15-year-old boy in the Civil War. Mm. And I was killed at the Battle of, of Gettysburg um, in the Battle of Little Round Top. Mm-hmm. And I actually located where my body fell. And in the grass was an outline of a body. And we took a picture. <laughs> We took a picture of it. I, I just totally was was crying. I was I was upset. Um, my friend that was with me c- couldn't calm me down. And oh, I've had that happen to myself. It's really surreal. Like I went to my husband and I on our honeymoon. On our honeymoon, we went to Barbados, and we went to this old um, plantation. Uh-huh. We went into the mansion and immediately I just kind of felt like I know this house and my husband's like I know this house too and he's like I had to go to the bathroom and nobody told him where he had to go to the bathroom he just walked right to it he just walked right up to the stairs took a left and had to go to the bathroom and and then somebody finally came through and was like do you guys need us to give you a tour of the house and it was just really weird and, and, and I was like how'd you know where the bathroom was and he's like I don't I just just went to the bathroom. I just, just knew. And it was, yeah. And it was really, really weird. And then, um, as they're walking around some of the remnants of the plantation, um, they had, uh, writings of all the people that had come through that from the, the, the slave trade and so forth. And I was looking through and I was like looking at this name of this, um, this woman. And I was like, that's me. That's me. In another lifetime, I was this um, light-skinned mulatto slave woman, but I was um, kind of a kept slave woman from the master of the house, which is my Uh husband. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So, and it was really weird because he was kind of like, going through through the manifest going, what? This, why is this so weird? Why is this so normal? It was was just really uncanny. So, um, it's funny. My husband. Yeah, so we we unknowingly went straight to a physical place that we had in a previous lifetime. And so when you go into those experiences, all of a sudden it feels like just kind of a water, a wave of like knowingness comes through. And you're like, what's going on? <laughs> so I, I know what you say about that Gettysburg experience. Um, it's a trip. It's a trip. Now, you know, I want to know what are the master's thoughts on humanity transitioning into a becoming an intergalactic society, um, you know, among other higher dimensional beings in the cosmos? What do they say about that? It'll absolutely happen. And it is happening with certain people. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're even uh, even talking about space travel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um people or, or life forms from other planets. Um, and it's basically, you know, that we're in the process of, of creating a, a manned mission to Mars. They're talking about terraforming the moon, mm-hmm. to practice doing that with Mars. And then sooner or later, you know, uh, who was it? It was um, Master Ashtar who said, at some point in our history, an entity from entities from other another planet or another uh, world will make itself known to us to where the governments can't hide it. 
Right, right. Well, that just make contact with people who are already, um, I call it fifth dimensional awareness because the dimensions or the higher um, realities exist within your consciousness. We manifest it. Well, but it will happen because we, as individuals, if, you, if people will go back into the history and read some of the documentation of the astronauts and their experiences mm-hmm. when they went to the moon and the real reason why they stopped going there. Right. They were basically warned to stop going there. Um, but now that warning is, is, is lifted. So we're going back because we have actually li- lifted our level of vibration, mm-hmm. though right now it doesn't seem so. It, and, it never does when you're trying to be a butterfly. Right. <laughs> so it's so, always kind of turbulent. <laughs> right. So it is, it's inevitable that we are going to meet other forms of life, different dimensions, different galaxies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whatever. And have you ever sat somewhere alone and felt like you were being watched? Yeah. Well, you are. Yeah. And so are we, and so is everybody out there being watched by what we call watchers. Okay. Can you explain and, that? Explain that. Well, watchers are um, entities that are neither human or otherwise. They have a level of consciousness where they can exist in between the veil. Mm-hmm. Like, like, for instance, if you close a door to your kitchen, let's say, in your mind, you know what's on the other side is your kitchen, the refrigerator, the stove. But the question would be, is it really? Mm. You see? So there's different doorways to different realities. And when you close the door, the reality on the other side goes back to its normal appearance. Right. Or existence. Right. So, so that's kind of what I'm talking about. Um, and, they're, and they're in that element. And they watch us to help us uh, through our life to prevent things that are not supposed to happen. Um, mm-hmm. th- there's really no such thing as an accident, though it, it, they have occurred. Um, I call them learning lessons. I call them life lessons. Yeah, and, and that's really what they are. Uh, I see things moving around all the time, but they're, that's usually spirits. Right. Um, I don't, I mean, we wouldn't be able to comprehend seeing uh, these entities. So we probably would ignore it or not see it. That's why it's really easy for aliens, let's say, mm-hmm. to hide themselves from us because our conscious mind can't grasp a hold of that reality. Right, right. Well, you know, here's the thing. I mean, so there are plenty of people who are fifth dimensional awareness. And I I say awareness because the dimensions happen within our consciousness. For a lot of people, this is still really new. But there are a lot of people who are fifth dimensional awareness, and they're working on building the foundations for peaceful galactic humanity um, so that we can live peacefully um, amongst each other and also with uh, other beings of the universe and not just not just um other beings in the cosmos but also what did the masters say about our ability to um travel between different dimensions as kind of like a like a like a space tourist like a like a interdimensional tourist you know, travel, like kind of time travel between different realities, different parallel realities, different time and space, um, along along with different planets and, and just, you know, 
that whole world, that whole side of, of uh, creation that we have yet to explore. What do they say about that, that probability for humanity? Well, Sana Kamara was doing it long before we were created here. So mm -hmm. um, the first thing you have to do is shed your physical. And then you, can, you don't need technology to, to travel from here to there, whether it be within our own dimension or another. It's just through beams of light. Mm. Our, our soul already knows how to do it. It's as act, accessing it. The, the, the most recent time that we ever access this is when our spirit enters into the zygote to be born. Mm. That's, a, that's a teleportation of sorts mm. or an apportation. Okay? Um, we already know how to do it. But we have to lift as a, as a conscious mind in this reality now our level of consciousness to a higher level to access that cellular memory to be able to do it when we are ready, like that end time and on time situation. Right, right. Okay. So it will just happen naturally. It's, yeah. just, it's a natural um, process of evolution. Well, I have one last question actually for you. What do the masters say uh, and what are their thoughts on how humanity can thrive as humans with the emergence of AI, artificial intelligence? I mean, should we be scared of AI? Can we live peacefully with AI? Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of conspiracies around AI taking over, not taking over. I mean, I watched Star Trek growing up and um, Data was AI, but he we lived peacefully and he was very useful um, to us. So how can we bridge that fear about AI? I mean, you talk to Elon Musk, everything AI is just horrible, so. Well, if you remember um, Data, he had a twin brother named Lor. He yeah. was the negative side of that connection. Mm -hmm. Okay, so just simply, the masters say that um, there is a concern, mm. especially to the economy of physical living beings, because AI is taking over jobs. Right. Automation. Mm -hmm. Right. So we've got to figure out a way to continue to, to survive. And how they did it in Star Trek was by alleviating, uh, alleviating the monetary system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, I believe that, uh, that um, Gene Roddenberry was a visionary. And that yeah. he saw that the monetary system is actually what has created a lot of the negativity that this earth has experienced. See? Yeah. And so yeah. that will eventually collapse and we will come together as a whole in learning how to better oneself instead of who has the most toys at the end of life wins. Right, right. Well, in that Star Trek reality, it was about, you know, just learning and bettering yourself as a person as a, uh, in your experience. And it wasn't about, you know, acquiring um, assets. Because there, you know, when you can create anything with the food replicator or, or teleport or all that kind of stuff, there's really no point in having all of these material stuff. It's just well, all true, about getting the experience. True AI can be shut down. It can be mm. stopped. So we have that control. Mm -hmm. When it moves to a biological free thinking entity, it's no longer an AI. It's okay. conscious. It's conscious. And there is where we can learn to coexist with one another. It is possible. Human beings, the, the, the creation of God, can resolve anything if they mm -hmm. put their mind and consciousness to it. And, that, and eventually that'll happen. 
but but here's the here's the interesting part within 500 years we will shed the physical appearance and be, and become light body beings just like angels are okay um angels do not look like humans and they do not have wings they are an energy signature of consciousness mm. with, an, with something that we that, that we are creating they don't they have an, uh, an individual consciousness mm -hmm. okay we're going to create an independent consciousness mm -hmm. away from the one but mm -hmm. still connected to the source mm -hmm. when all of this occurs in 500 years and in star trek next generation they showed a guy that was on the run and he was transforming from a human to a light-bodied being mm -hmm. remember that one yeah, well, I gotta watch that one over again. I love that. <laughs> what happens is is gonna happen to us, which is why I, I really believe Gene Roddenberry was seeing something instead of imagining something. And, yeah. You know, and a lot of the movies that come out in the past are now ha that were like hard to believe that would ever happen are happening today. You know, and right. and um. We, we will have to figure out a way, but when that happens, when we shed this and become a light body being, we won't have to have any concern towards AI at all because now we're going to be on a different path. Right, right. Right. So, hmm. See, things are going to advance to the point that our own conscious mind cannot possibly imagine. Right now, we're in the concept of what we do not understand, we destroy. Right, right, and that's the thing that that's the that's the scared about AI is that we don't understand it. Um, you know, we should not go there. We should not, you know. But technology, but yet we have this love and hate relationship with technology, so it's it's still going to happen. We can create fear, you know, because fear only makes the fear worse. Mm-hmm. Um, or we can just do what we can, mm -hmm. you know, right now it's necessary to buy certain things and, and pack it away for when you need it, but that's temporary as well, you know, right, right. We change all the time. Right. I mean, when we were in the depression, people never thought that they'd ever, that it would ever get better and look at it. It did. Yeah. Well, that's like what I said earlier. Um, you know, I mean, they, a war can come or depression can come or a pandemic can come, but we're resilient and we always come out the other side stronger, better. Uh, we learn. But, you know, um, yeah, the thing about AI that, that is interesting is that a lot of people that I've spoken to keep pointing just continue focusing on consciousness and your spirituality. The further you get into that, the further you're ahead. Right. And that it's not really that scary of a thing because when you get further connected to source and consciousness, um, the answers will present itself. And yeah. all things in reality recognizes source, even AI. I just got a message from Jesus. Okay. And he says for everybody, to learn to love yourself and then love others. That's all we have to do in life and recognize that we are all of the same vibration. We're all created by God and there is no one better or worse than anyone else. 
and that we can function in peace and create peace. And then he says, amen. Well, that's beautiful. I love that. Let's end with that. Um, well, Michael, I have a feeling that you have so much knowledge that you really should write that book on your life, on the wisdom of the Ascended Masters and how to abhort for those who are interested in learning how to do it. Now, in Buddhism, we try to document all kinds of spiritual six senses, and we have very little instructions for how to abhort objects. So if another person in the awakening and ascension process comes into this unique skill, then your book or your courses would help them and their family greatly. So when you do create those courses, um, just send it to me and I'll be sure to um, promote it and have it up on the descriptions as well. Um, So again, thank you so much for an enjoyable interview. For more information, everybody, about Reverend Michael Shane's offerings, just go and visit his website, which is Michael, M-Y-C-H-A-E-L, Shane, S-H-A-N-E.com. And with that, thank you kindly to our listeners for listening to another enlightening conversation. Until next time, Blessings. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.